So we're, we're continuing on in Ephesians, and I'm going to share with you this morning um, in chapter 6 as we move forward, as they mentioned, as Bat Dad mentioned, um, that first part of it in Ephesians chapter 6. And um, what I've titled this is Legacy. So thinking about legacy, what better thing to do than to wear a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey when you're talking about legacy, right? Um, just kidding. We've, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians. We're on the last chapter. Um, and so this challenge is not just for our kids. It's for parents. It's for fathers, um, even more specific. We have about 40 of our men that are at man camp this weekend. Um, they're in Moab enjoying the outdoors, enjoying fellowship, and enjoying God's Word together. And uh, so I'm going to twist this a little bit. I'm really going to be sharing um, towards our kids, but I'm also be sharing to each one of us. Um, whether we're parents or not, um, we have a legacy that we get to pass down. We have something that we get to pass forward in that sense. And so I want to challenge us as God's children. Um, I want to challenge our kids and, and our youth. When I say kids, I also mean our teenagers. Um, they're, they're all basically kids in that sense. Um, but the word legacy itself, legacy is something handed down from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. It's a birthright or a heritage. And one of the greatest gifts both my wife and I were able to, to get passed down is this legacy of, of having God be a part of our life. My, my wife's parents were hippies living in the mountains of Colorado in a little cabin when uh, God got a hold of their life, um, radically changed them and uh, really did some incredible things in their life. And, and they started to walk with God with their little girl and later a little boy and, and raise them to understand who God was and to love God. And what a, what a legacy that, to, to pass down to Daisy. And then to Daisy to be able to, to, as we got married, to bring that into our family. For myself, my family grew up here in Utah. Um, when I was three years old, my parents, who were basically CEOs, they would come to church on Christmas and Easter only. Um, and if that... And uh, God got a hold of their life and radically changed them and gave them uh, understanding. And, and I grew up in church and living in church, basically, and uh, got an understanding of who God was. And so they passed that on to me. And so now, as we came together as, as a married couple, we get to pass that on to our kids. And we're going to be talking about the legacy that we pass on. Um, in first three chapters of Ephesians, we've been talking and walking through this, we were taught who Jesus is and what Jesus does. So Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 really talks about who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Where chapters 4 through 6 of Ephesians, they help us understand who we are in Christ and what we do in Christ. And so with the excess that surrounds most Americans, a lot of families get sidetracked from what really matters. And so this, this line I want you to think about um, is going to kind of permeate throughout what I'm going to share this morning is this line here that says, what I give to my children or what I do for my children is not as important as what I leave in my children. And this isn't just for parents, but this is also, you know, you can look at that in God himself speaking to us as, and we are his children. And you think about this, it's not about what God can give to his children. It's not about what God can do for his children even though we think that's pretty important and we pray a lot of times in those ways. But more importantly, it's what God can leave in his children. And so we're going to challenge us in the same way. And so as we walk through this, if you've ever been a part of our kids' church and our kids' ministry that goes on, um, they have this statement and it stuck in my head and, and it was always, what's the big idea? 
right? You remember that? And uh, so they'd always talk about what the big idea is, and they would challenge our kids to, to walk away with something that was really grasping them. And so we're going to talk about Ephesians chapter 6, but I want you to take this word idea itself, and what is the big idea this morning? And we're going to walk each, through each letter of the word idea um, and, and challenge us. First of all, I'm going to be talking to the kids. And because the, the Ephesians 6, as Paul is talking about this, he addresses it to the kids. It's not just to the parents, but he's addressing children here. And so about four weeks ago, I started off talking about our relationship with God and walking with Jesus and what that means to walk with Jesus. And if you've been here the last three weeks, um, Pastor Jody and Pastor Ira have really hit on marriage and wives and husbands and, and what that looks like in that relationship that, that we have to one another. And so now we're going to talk about that relationship as parents. And again, as I, when I say children, when I say kids, it's, it's, it's talking to teenagers also. It's talking to anybody under the age of 18. How many of you guys are under the age of 18 in here? How many of you wish you were under the age of 18? Right? Got to see a couple hands here. Um, you know, and I, it's crazy to think that some of the people in this room at one time were a part of our kids' ministry in here. If you've been here since the church started, um, kids' church was all the people that basically that were, came out here to start this church. Their kids were kids' ministry. And now a lot of those kids, and many of those kids are either parents themselves, are married, are young adults, um, are having their own kids. And, uh, you know, what a legacy to pass on. What a legacy, as we saw in that picture there, of being able to see uh, the new people step up as pastors of American Fork Church, as we see what God's doing, you know, a world away, it seems like, in the Philippines. And so the, the first part of the word idea that we're going to talk about in leaving the legacy is the I. And I, I've titled this Instruction. Instruction. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. The first verse we're going to read this morning, it was also talked about by Bat Dad, is this Ephesians 6.1 that says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And the word obey in itself, it, it has this definition that carries the idea of a soldier ready to engage in battle. He's listening carefully for the orders and instructions of his commanding officer. It's a word of action, listening intently and conforming to a command. It's an inward attitude of respect and honor, but it's an external act of compliance. So kids, when we talk about the word obey, the word obey is an outward response. When your parents are asking you to obey, they're expecting an outward response of what you're going to do. Not only your parents, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a leader, whoever that is, the person in authority, when they're asking you to obey what they're asking you, they're asking you for an outward response to that, this outward response. So kids, let me ask you a question here. Who here has never obeyed their parents? Don't raise your hand. That was a trick question. Never obeyed? That would be bad right? But who here has disobeyed their parents? Okay? I think every hand should go up because um, we all have. Yeah. It's something that, that we've all done. And parents, let me ask you, who here had to teach their kid how to disobey? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, you know, we have to work very hard at teaching them to obey, but we don't have to teach a kid how to disobey. It's, it's something that they just, it comes naturally to them. It's just something that they want to do, and we are the same way as, as that disobeying so why is, why is obeying so tough? Why is it so tough? And I, I came up with three ideas, that, or the three things that come that play into why obeying is so tough. And the first one is the corruption on the outside. 
the corruption on the outside. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4 says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We live in a society that, that blasts our young people to disobey, to go against the flow. And the things of this world are, are weighing our kids down and, and are trying to pull them in in so many different directions. You know, they even have television shows that are geared towards kids where the dad is just an idiot, right? And, and the mom is doing everything and doing all this kind of stuff, but she's also wrong. And it's the kid that always saves the day, the kid that's always right, the kids that's always, you know. And those are things that our kids are watching, and, and you know, the media is playing into the kid's mindset. And so we live in a, a place that obedience is hard because the world we live in is corrupt. The second thing is the curse of sin on the inside. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not an age that's associated with the first sin. It's not like your kid's going to start sinning around this age. you know. But, but a kid does do that. It's not something that, again, that we have to teach them. A kid will disobey. A kid will, whatever it is, that, that pulls into that because we're all sinners. We're all created, and, and we all have this innate desire in us to sin. And the Word of God is telling us that, that we all are sinners. But there is hope. And the last one is childishness makes them vulnerable. 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And so there's a period, and this is what we're going to talk about as we're, we're talking to the kids, but we're also talking to us as parents and just in our own lives, that as you grow, and even if you think about that in your own walk with Christ, that there's a point that you were a child in your walk with God, and you thought as a child, and you reasoned as a child, and you did things. But as you learned, as you were instructed, as you started to grow, um, there's a point that you started to choose the things that you knew that the Word of God was challenging you to choose. It goes back to that instruction. So again, kids, in that first verse we read, it says... That we are to do what? Obey. We're to obey our parents. And how, do we, how are we to obey? And I think this is the key. It says we're to obey in the Lord. We're to obey in the Lord. The things that, that line up with his scripture. The le- things that line up with the word of God. Colossians 3.20 puts it this way. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. But then it goes on. It says obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. For this is right. Kids and teens, if you practice the habit of joyful obedience, this verse teaches that things will turn out right. If you refuse to obey, things will go wrong. And who wants to be right, right? So now this verse goes on, and and Paul just doesn't leave us with this this outward obedience. He takes it even deeper, and he says, let's let's continue on. Let's go on to verse 2. And he states it this way. This is the second part of of obedience, kid. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So as I was looking up the word honor and trying to get wrap my head around it, it says the emphasis here is on attitude, not just on the act of obedience. The word itself is referred to as a heavy weight. 
means it has an impact. There's, a, there's purpose behind it. It means to carry some weight or it's, it's in high regard. The opposite is like this cotton ball that holds no weight at all, that's easily to just push aside. And so as we talk about obedience, we've seen this so many times, it rules out the reluctant obedience. And a biblical example of this is the story of Jonah. If you don't know the story of Jonah, ask your kids. They've they've heard about the story of Jonah. I mean, who doesn't love the story of a man being swallowed by a well that's not named Pinocchio, right? So Jonah, Jonah was was told by God that he needed to go somewhere, and, and he wanted to fight against it. And we know the story because he fought against it. They threw him overboard. A well swallowed him, and, and eventually he gave in. Eventually he said, okay, there was that outward obedience, that obeying. And he went to Nineveh, and he preached Jesus. He preached God, and, he, and, and we saw that Nineveh, the whole town, came to know who Christ was. And, and Jonah should have been celebrating, but what do, what do we read Jonah did after that? It said he went up to the mountainside, and he sat down, folded his arms, and he began to pout. He was upset. Because, yeah, he did obey, but he wasn't honoring God. He was on the outside, he was showing obedience, but he wasn't showing that honoring by the inward that happens in there. A personal example, how many of us have seen our kids, or really like to put it this way, have seen other kids do this? How many of us if we're honest, even as adults do this, where we pout. We may obey, but we're not doing it on the inside with, with this attitude of, of, of really honoring who God is. You know, I'm going to give, but I'm not going to give with joy. You know, I know I need to obey, but I'm not going to do it from within. Is not going to be following after this. It's going to be reluctant. You know, I may teach a class, but on the inside, I, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to show up on this Sunday. We tell our kids to do something, and they stomp off to go do it. Or they throw themselves on the floor, or they drag their feet, or the lip comes out, or they fold their arms and they pout. And they may go in and do their room, clean their room, but on the inside, they're fighting it. I put, they are declaring boldly, I may be cooperating on the outside, but on the inside, I'm not. On the inside, I'm not. And I I think this is pivotal that as we teach our kids to obey, that it's not just about doing what you're told to do, but it's the heart that goes along with it. It's what's on the inside that goes along with it. So obedience is the external. It's compliance that hides an insubordinate heart is not God-honoring obedience. Honor is the attitude behind the act. Honor is the attitude behind the act. So kids, it's, it's not just about obeying your parents when they ask you to do something. But it's honoring them, and, and that's the obedience, that's the attitude that shows up behind the act of doing that obedience. And then it goes on, it says, why should we honor your parents? Why do you honor your parents? And, and it says that, that this is the first commandment with a promise, and you could go into that, but there's two things that I pulled out of this. It says it will go well with you, and you may enjoy a long life. And no, this doesn't mean how my dad used to say it, if you don't honor me, I will cut your life short right? It's not that same type of thing. But it's two things that stand out is the the quality of life and the quantity of life. The honoring is that it will go well with you and you'll enjoy a long life. So kids, this morning, are you honoring your parents? 
Is there, a, is there advice in their role in your life? Is it weighty? Does it have some weight to it? Or is it ins- insignificant? Proverbs 1.8 says, Listen, my son, to your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teachings. So building a legacy starts with instruction. It starts with this instruction the Word of God gives us. But then it goes on from there. It doesn't leave it at that. And so as we hit with this on the, with the kids of talking about obeying your parents, but more importantly, not only outward obeying them, but inwardly with your attitude, honoring your parents. And this goes to us, not even as, as just children of God, of doing the same thing in our relationship with God, of not just obeying what God's Word says, but doing it with the right attitude and honoring God in the same way. We're going to continue on, and, and the rest of this really hits each one of us um, in our lives. But the second part of the big idea is the D, and I call this the demonstration. There's three main phases to the demonstration part of leaving a legacy. And the first part is the early years, and this is the come and see. This one just happens automatically with little ones. And I shared three weeks ago when I talked about this, you don't have to be a dad and say, hey, go get your razor, we're going to practice shaving. When they're little kids, they go get their razor, and they're putting shaving cream on because they want to do what dad's doing. I didn't have to tell my kids, go get your lawnmower, because I'm going to teach you how to mow the lawn, and you're going to follow me with your kitty lawnmower. You know, I would grab my lawnmower, and they would run out. They would see what dad's doing, and they would do what dad was doing. The come and see period. Billy Graham put it this way. Children will invariably talk, eat, walk, think, respond, and act like their parents. Give them a goal to work towards. Give them a pattern that they can see clearly, and you give them something that gold and silver cannot buy. Kids watch you and begin doing what you do. I had a youth pastor share an example with me a while back, and he had a young girl that her parents had been a part of the church, and she grew up in the church, and she started attending youth group. And she was new to youth group, and they were outside playing some games, and this young girl was flipping off all the kids in the youth group. And he's like, ah. And so he pulls her aside, and, and he begins to talk to her and says, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? She goes, my mom does it to my dad all the time, you know. And here was a young girl having no idea. And, and, and even when he talked to the parents, the parents like, we were just kind of, it was just a, a kidding way. We just kind of do that, you know, just joking around. But here's a kid doing what they saw their parents doing. Had no idea what it meant. She, she was oblivious of what that really meant. And she was just like, this is just kind of what you do to your friends, you know. So come and see. Kids will start to take on and start to do uh, in the early years. Basically, zero to six, they'll start to do that come and see part. But there comes a point where you move on to the second part, which is the come and follow. The six to 12 years olds. Here you're asking for a greater level of commitment, not only from you, but also from them. And I, even this morning, I was talking to a, a gentleman, and he was sharing a story of he, got his, he, he shot a deer this last weekend, and he was talking about that, and it was, it was a grandpa whose son-in-law took him hunting, and they brought along the grandson. So here is three generations going out, and they're getting to experience something, and it wasn't just being able to come home and tell them about it. This little boy was able to go with them on a hunting trip. He was able to see grandpa shoot down a deer. You know, and one of the funny things he said as they were gutting, he's like, can I have the heart? What little kid says that? Can I have the heart? You know, but he's, he's watching these things happen. He's walking with them and he's learning these things, not only from his own father, but he's learning it from his grandfather. Something as, as, just like as hunting. But it's come and follow. Who is your kid following? 
Who is your kid following? And, and I mention these names as I'm going to go into this, not because it's always a bad thing, because I'm going to come back later and say these can be good things in their life, but who's really influencing your kid the most? Is it a coach? Is it a teacher? Is it their friends? Maybe it's an instructor. It could be a pastor. And, I, and I'm not saying, like I said, not all these things are bad things, but who are the people that are really influencing our kids? Um, there's a church that does this, and, and I, I took this as an example, and when I went to the Orange Conference, they did the same thing, but they had a bottle like this set up, and they filled it full of marbles. And when a parent has a kid, they give the, the parent this, this jar full of marbles. And I thought M&Ms are much better than marbles because um, they taste better. Um, but inside of this, they, they took each one of the marbles, and I, I did it as M&Ms, and it represents a week in the, chi- in the life of your child from zero to the age 18. And you look at it, and it, it's really not that many M&Ms um, that are in there. And so you, you're taking that in... And, if you emptied out uh, the first part of a kid up until the age six, that's a third of those M&Ms are gone. At the age of six, a third of those M&Ms are now missing. If you ta- take a kid up to the, the age of 12, when they start their teenage years, that's two-thirds of the M&Ms are now gone. And you're looking at a, at a, at a bottle that's almost empty and realize that the small fracture of time that we have to influence those around us, that we have to influence our kids, we don't realize how fast it goes by until it's almost gone. I don't know how many parents I've talked to, and, and at one point they're like, oh, this little baby, and it seems like it's going so slow, and the next thing they're like, I just married off my kid. I don't know what happened. It went so fast. And so we don't realize that Jesus asked his disciples to follow him before he ever turned them loose on the world. He just didn't say, hey, go do this. He said, come and follow me for a while. Come and walk with me and talk with me. I read this article, and it says this, most teens, if, they, if they're estranged or isolated from their parents and are, no long, are, are estranged and isolated from their parents, and their parents are no longer influenced by them. They interviewed a 17-year-old girl, and this is what she said, you are who you hang around with. Before, parents made you who you are. Now, teens are pretty much defined by their friends. I see my mom maybe an hour a day and not at all on weekends. So we have the come and see, come and follow, and the last one is come be with me. I put this down as the bottom third. It's kind of the teen years. This is where the teaching and the action happens. You've been raising your kid up. You've been teaching them, and you're seeing some of these things start to take place in their life. You're seeing them start to develop who they are. The relationship with them starts to happen here. I know for me growing up, my dad's way, you know, my dad would come to all my baseball games, basketball games, he watched those types of stuff. But my way, the way my dad was really a part of my life was, the way he showed his love was like, come and go to work with me. And so I would go to work with my dad to have that relationship with my dad. And so at a very young age, I'd go to work with my dad, and it helped that he had a cookie business, so his truck was full of cookies, you know, what a dream for a kid. Come to work with dad. I'm like, yeah, cookies. Um, but it was, it was more than that. It was that relationship. And now my dad, who just moved back to, to Utah, and some of the times that we spend together, you know what we do? We do projects together. Because that's what my dad, dad loves to do. That's the way he relates to me, is by doing stuff together, by building that time, that, that relationship that we have, by just doing something together. And so I found this great list of uh, finding values in relationships. And hopefully I'll read it 
right. I kind of did a verbal faux pas in the first service that I'll share with you in a minute here of where sometimes you say something that might be in your mind, but that's not what you meant to say. It came out really odd. But this is the great list of finding value in relationships. Is Number one is, what matters more than anything is that my kids have an authentic relationship with God. And this is the one I messed up on, but it says, all my children need to know, and I'll say it how I did in the first service, and I'll say it the real way. But I said in the first service, all my children need to know is I will never stop farting for them. <laughs> and I was like, that's not really what I meant to say. And I couldn't get my composure back. I couldn't finish off. But what I was trying to say is, all my children need to know is I will never stop fighting for them and fighting for a relationship with them. The third one is my personal relationship with God and my wife's affects them more than I realize. Just being together can never substitute for interacting together in a healthy way. A mother and a father are not the only adult influence my children need. As I said before, it's okay to have these other influences, but I want to be the greatest influence in my kid's life. And it's okay to have other people speak into their lives. The, this last one is, is hard for me because, you know, in my own life, I want my kids to have the best youth pastor in the world speaking into their life. And I'm like, but they get dad. You know, dad's saying the same things that dad says at home. You know, why can't we have someone different saying this? And I always, I always joke with parents because parents will continually tell their kids stuff, tell their kids stuff, and then I'll get up and I'll say something that is the exact same thing that you said, and the kids will go like, Yes. You know, they'll come home and they'll tell their parents and their parents are like, he says it one time and you get it. You know, I've been saying that the whole life and, and you're not understanding it. But it's great to have other people speaking into your kids' lives. You know, and I have this, I have this, this thing that encourages me is I know I have incredible leaders inside my youth ministry that I don't get to speak into every kid's life. I can get up here and I, I challenge our kids on a weekly basis with the Word of God, but I know my leaders sometimes have a better influence because they're in relationship with these kids in a different way, and they're speaking in these kids' lives. And I'm encouraged because I know my daughter's in youth group now, and she has a leader that's speaking into her life. She has Sunday school teachers that are speaking into her life. She had kids' teachers that were speaking into her life at a young age. You know, and, and, and you think back to those people that influenced you, and we always, sometimes we do these leadership things, and you talk about who is someone that influenced your life? Who is someone that really touched your life? And, and a lot of times we have our parents, we have some of those things. But above and beyond that, I want people inside my kids' lives that are influencing them in a positive way and influencing them through the Word of God. So the, we have, the, the first one was instruction. And then we talked about demonstration. And now we have the third letter, which is E, which is experience experience. Parents, and I find this ironic, parents are just kids who grew up and became parents, right? You know, I, I grew up and I, I left my parents' house at 18 and I went away to college and my desire was to go into the ministry. And so I went to college and the classes I was taking and what I was learning was youth ministry. And so I went to college and I, I got my education and I, I, I stepped out and became a youth pastor and a lot of the things I had to start facing, I never learned in college. I'd be like, what do I do? You know, I, they didn't teach us this in class. There was no way I knew some of these things. But it was stepping out and practically going through some of those things that I had to learn. And I had to dive into the Word of God saying, okay, God, help me. 
I got to teach these kids, and they didn't teach me this in college. But it's the same thing as parenting, isn't it? I mean, you could probably go through a four-year course after you get married, and you still would not always have the right answers as a parent. Probably still do some things wrong. You'd probably go, what do I need to do here? So parents are just parents. Parents are just kids who grew up and became parents. But this is where they, our kids, and us as followers are given the opportunity to practice what we've been taught, to start to put it into action, to start to experience these things. Ed Taylor had this great list, and and so I'm going to read it to you, but it says, if a child lives with criticism, they learn to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, they learn to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, they learn to be shy. If a child lives with shame, they learn to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, they learn to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, they learn confidence. If a child lives with praise, they learn to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, they learn justice. If a child lives with security, they learn to have faith. If a child lives with approval, they learn to like themselves. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, they learn to find love in the world. Example of this was there was a mom who was making pancakes for her two little boys. And as we know, two little boys are doing what while mom is making pancakes is they're fighting over who gets the first pancakes, right? So as these two boys are fighting over who gets the first pancakes, the mom decided this is going to be a great time to instruct them, great time to teach my kids. And she says, okay, kids, you know, if Jesus were here, Jesus would look at his brother and say, you know what? You go first. You, go, you have the first pancake and I'll wait. And so the mother felt pretty pr- proud that she had said that. And so the old, older brother looked at his little brother and says, okay, you be Jesus. <laughs> right? <laughs> and she's like, you're missing the point here. <laughs> but he got his pancake. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Do what it says. You know, and I'm not saying that we have to be the perfect parents, that we have to have the perfect marriage that we're asking to have the perfect kids. Because again, we go back to the, the, the idea of obeying, and you know what? The world is working full force to take our kids. And the corruption of sin is, is attacking them, and attacking even our own lives, and all those types of things. And I'm not saying that you have to be perfect. I'm just saying that, that these are some things that you need to start placing into your life and making important in life, saying, you know what, God, I want to leave a legacy. And you look through the, you know, Bad Dad gave us some great examples of people in the Bible that even did it wrong. And they didn't put them in the Bible to to give you an out saying, well, you know, they didn't do it right, so I don't have to do it either. It gives us something to work towards. And and, uh, some of those examples he gave, like Adam and Eve were the very first parents. But what happened to their kids, right? One of the sons killed the other. Rebecca, you know, she went out and she picked a favorite. And she had the favorite son. And you'd think, you know, that would change. But Jacob, what did he do when he went out? Jacob picked a favorite son. And here we have Joseph. David. David had an affair. And it cost him. You have Eli lost control of how his boys acted in church. Sometimes we compare ourselves or we compare our kids to other families, and we feel like a failure. We feel like we've messed up. Maybe we didn't do everything right. You know, and and I I shared with my young people 
couple weeks ago, I did a sermon called The Contender. And I shared with our young people that it's not about being champions, but that God wants us to be contenders. And we think that as parents that we have to do everything right. And our kids have to always be the best kids. And we struggle when that doesn't happen because they're not the champions. Or we messed up. And yet, the challenge I threw out to our young people, even as kids, is, is not that God wants us to, you know, I, I tell them all the time, holiness is not the absence of sin, but the presence of God. You've got to fight for the presence of God to destroy that sin in our lives. But what I challenge our young people with is about being a contender, about fighting for everything that you can fight for. That when you get knocked down, not to stay down on the canvas, but to jump back up, to continue fighting. And sometimes as parents, we feel like we get knocked down. Or as kids, we feel like we get knocked down. Or even in our own walk with God, we feel like we get knocked down. We want to give up. We want to just stop fighting. But we need to be contenders. And even as your kids leave the home, that doesn't mean you stop fighting. You continue to fight. You continue to, to, to be on your knees. 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So experience is practicing what you've been taught, practicing what you've been taught. My, my son's in a class right now, um, so every Thursday, um, I pick him up and we go to, to golf class. And uh, he's my 10-year-old and loves sports, and so golf was one of the things he wanted to try. And so as we go to this class, um, and there's a few other kids that are there, the, the, the golf instructor that's there, there's two of them, and they take the kids, and the first thing that they do is kind of right along with my sermon, is they give the kids instructions. If it's putting, they, they, they instruct them about putting. They instruct them about different things on it. If it's their, their, the, the long, the short game, the long game, whatever it is, they're instructing the kids. So the first things they do is they talk to the kids, and the second thing is they demonstrate. You have these great golf pros and these guys that know what they're doing, and they talk to the kids about it, and then they start to demonstrate it to the kids. They show them the proper swing, the proper way to, to hold their club, the proper way to set their feet, the proper clubs to use. And then they go from there, and they say, okay, here's your chance to experience it. And the kids step up to the tee and the kids start to do one that, what they were instructed to do, what was demonstrated to them, and now they're doing it. They're starting to, to, to put it into play and the, and the instructors are walking back and forth. You know what the instructors are doing? They're assessing how they're doing. Saying, okay, you're doing this or your, your hips aren't moving this way. And they're kind of really hitting on them where their hands are at and, and really kind of getting particulars. And then they send us out and say, okay, and I get to take my boy and I get my golf clubs because I get to golf for free. But I get to take my boy and we go out and we play nine holes after that. And the whole time, my son's asking me, you know, okay, he taught me this way, and this is how I was trying to do it. Am I doing it right? And he's assessing how he's doing in, in those types of things. And so here's the th- same thing that we're doing in our walk with God is, is that we, we get these different things. We get our instruction. We get demonstration. We get experience. And the last part is the assessment. Assessment is you evaluate the progress. You evaluate the progress. And how I looked at this is, is I took, you know, thinking about a legacy and thinking about families and all this kind of stuff and thinking about some of the things that we've talked about the last three weeks. And I look at this through the, this, this word called titles. Titles. And some of the... And titles are, are how well are we doing at what we have heard the past three to four weeks and will it show up on how we are living up to our titles. Some of the titles that we've talked about have been husband has been wives, has been brother, have been sister, have been son, daughter, dad, 
mom. These are some of the titles. Some of the titles were given. When I was born, I was given the title son. I was in a family. I was, I was this son. And as we talked about before, this legacy that was passed on as my parents came to know Christ is I have an older, older sister that's in, very involved in her church, um, lives here in Salt Lake, and her family and her kids are all part of their church and serving God. I have an older brother who lives in Texas, pastored for a while, and now he is um, one of the, the deacons in his church and serving in his church. I have a younger brother who is a pastor in Chicago, so God spread us out everywhere, you know. And, and not to, to glorify our family, but, but by God stepping into my family's life and, and started a legacy that that's been passed on, and I had that chance to pass it on to my kids. And this title that I was given at a young age was son, and now I have some other titles that I've chosen. And one of those titles that I chose was to become a husband. And what am I doing with that title? As soon as I put the ring on there, did I stop treating my wife the way I did when I was dating her? Ten years down the road, did I, did I change? I still had this title of husband. And then I decided to have kids, and I became a dad. And that title I chose to have, and, 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 and how am I doing with that title of dad? So like I said, some of the titles we choose, some of the titles have been given to us, but we need to assess how we're doing with those titles. And even if you're not a, a married and you're, you're in this type of stuff, you're, you have titles in your life. You are a brother or a sister to someone. You are a son or daughter. And eventually, someday, you will be a, a husband or wife. You will be a mom and dad. And you have to live up to some pretty hefty titles, but we have a chance through the Word of God to, 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 to find some instruction in there, to follow after those things. So am I taking the Word of God and am I applying it to my life? Am I taking the instruction? Seeing it demonstrated for me? Jumping in and experiencing it for myself? And can I look back and say, wow, I see what you're doing in my life, God. I know the areas I need to work on. We need to reevaluate the titles that we have right now. And, and, and as we close, I'm going to close up with this. And I just want to challenge you guys this morning and, and all that we talked about. You know, I know the first part was really challenging our kids to, to not only obey our parents, but to honor our parents. Not only to do the outward act, but the internal act of, of doing it with the right attitude. And I think in our walk with God, we need the same thing. We need to not, not only obey God's word because that's the outward thing that everybody's going to see, but it has to be followed up by the inward attitude of the heart of why I'm doing this, God, why I'm following through with this. And as we go through these things, and the, the challenge I want to leave us with is this whole idea of how am I doing with the titles I've been given. You know, and I, I look back and, and I, I can see some people that affected my life and, and, and made pivotal steps to, to challenge me in who I am. And, you know, I, I remember probably one of the most pivotal people in my life that stepped in that it was outside of my parents was I remember Sunday school teachers I had and I've shared this before in high school and I was going to church and they were Sunday school teachers and, and this, uh, the family, I remember their name, the stores, you know, they were they loved me, I know they loved me but there came a point where they came to me and said, you know what, we're kicking you out of our Sunday school class, Chase. And I was like, what? Do you know who I am? you know who my parents are? You know, all these types of things went through my head but it was a wake up call for me. And they loved me enough to tell me the hard things. It was like, you know what? You're disturbing this class. And instead of being angry and bitter and, and walking away because I was 
stepping out of the class, I was obeying them. I had to look at how can I still honor them? And how are you speaking to my life in this way, God? And so this morning as we live, leave here and as we go back and we eat and watch football and all those types of fun stuff that we're going to do this afternoon, I want to just challenge you to think about the titles that you've been given. Are you just obeying Christ or are you honoring him in all that we do? And so I'm going to close in prayer. So Father God, I just thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that you love us so much. That Lord, even when we're not the greatest of examples or we may not have had the greatest examples in our our life, God, you have been the everlasting Father to each and every one of us. God, that you loved us even with our junk. You loved us even in our filthiness, God. You loved us not just when we changed or when we did the right thing, but you loved us before that. And what great example that was, God, of a loving Father. And so, God, I just pray this morning that, Lord, you teach each one of us something, that each time we open your word, that we don't just merely read about it, God, but we do what it says. Challenge us to to, to assess where we're at in our obedience and our honoring. Help us to assess the titles that we've been giving as a parent or as a son or a daughter or as a brother or sister, as a husband or wife. God, let us leave this place changed. Let us leave this place challenged, Lord. Let us leave here knowing that, God, you've spoken to us in a powerful way. And, God, we don't want to just obey you. We want to honor you. So we give you this morning, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're leaving. If you want prayer, we have leaders that are up here, pastors that will pray with you. But God bless you as you go and enjoy your Sunday afternoon.